What's up, everybody? It's Chris Stefano, aka Christery Stefano, and this is Christeries. Today, we're going to talk about the Declaration of Independence, the DOI, not a DUI, a DOI. We're going to talk about how the 13 colonies went from being Jesus loving puritanical pilgrims sticking crumpets up their ass to basically saying, fuck you, King George III. America has a new birthday. All right, so for thousands of years, North America was mostly inhabited by Native Americans. Shout out Lou Diamond Phillips, which most of the world didn't even know existed. So North America was the new world, and we had European powerhouses trying to get into that land to take over the natural resources, to take over the people, to give everyone smallpox. You had the French in the north, you had the Spanish in the southwest, and of course you had the British in the 13 colonies. So there was, everybody was trying to colonize this new land. Sound like Avatar 2? Okay, so we're going to talk about colonialism and how the 13 colonies were formed. Colonialism definition is control by one power over a dependent area of people. So I'm a colonial lord to my children because they're Puerto Rican. <laughs> the British settlers came to the New World for religious freedom, okay? While most come to set up trade and, you know, steal and, you know, pillage the people and rape everybody, the British just genuinely came for religious freedom, the Mayflower, the pilgrims came, Thanksgiving, Sacagawea, you know the story. That's basically why they were here, because they were getting, you know, persecuted in Britain. But also, they wanted to make a lot of money. And they also wanted to rape, pillage, and give everybody smallpox, because that's what white people do. The 13 colonies, baby, my favorite part of the United States, and what I wish, hopefully, one day this country goes back to, suck it, Phoenix, I want to go back to the original 13. So in the early 1600s, King James I of England, my guy, had already began establishing colonies in America. And by the 1700s, the 13 colonies had formed and all the beautiful settlements were there. And things were actually running kind of smooth. Believe it or not, the colonists were pretty happy. The American colonists were pretty happy and they identified as British subjects and they were loyal but not for long. The 13 colonies, a lot of people think they know them, but do you know them? Here, I'm gonna guess. So New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Maryland, um, New Hampshire, Delaware, Massachusetts, um, Georgia, North Carolina, I think South Carolina, or maybe it was just the Carolinas. I don't think Maine yet. I don't think Maine, Vermont, that's 11. Um, now there's two more. Which ones are we forgetting? There's two more. Oh, South Carolina is one, so that's 12. Uh, did I say Georgia? Oh, Connecticut, AKA Connecticut, and Rhode Island, the little one, the little, little Rhode Island. Shout out me, myself, and Irene. So those are the original 13 colonies. That was pretty much an extension of the British arm in America. And again, they were loyal because here's the thing. Here's the thing that you got to understand because a lot of people, and I'll get to this on why eventually we had a declaration of independence, but you got to put yourself in the shoes, put yourself in the wooden shoes of colonial people living in the 13 colonies in the 1700s. You had enemies in the North and the South that wanted to kill you. And Britain was protecting you. Britain was protecting you from the French and they were protecting you from the Spanish and they were protecting you from the Native Americans. So you were loyal to them, even though Britain in a very short amount of time is going to do something scandalous. 
Okay, the French and Indian War, AKA the French and Native American War. 1754 to 1763, this war basically is the catalyst for the American Revolution. Why? Because the French and we're fighting the British, but they don't, I don't know why they don't just say the French and British War, because I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to say Indians. Everybody had Indians, AKA Native Americans fighting with them. But I guess that, you know, I don't know why they call it the French and Indian War, but I think it's us and I'm canceling that war. Why do you call it the French and Indian War? Because the British colonists named the conflict after their opponents, which I think is stupid. You should have just called it the French and British War. So I don't have to, you're not forcing me to say Indian because I want to say the French and Native American War. I want to say the French and Arizona Ice Tea War. I don't even like saying Native American. This is going to become, the French and Indian War is the catalyst to the American Revolution. And guess who appears for the first time in the French and Indian War? A young colonel from Virginia, 21 years old, named George Washington, known on the battlefield as 21 Savage. <laughs> <laughs> in 1754, George Washington's main goal was protecting the land, what is now known as Pittsburgh. And George, if you're listening, I wish you would have just given it up. Because I don't like Primanti Brothers sandwiches. I'm sorry. But come see me there if I'm performing. Now, George Washington didn't know this at the time, but as a young 21-year-old hottie with a body who was 6'5", which is way taller than most men at that time, he was building. He was building up the lore, the legend of George Washington, which, of course, would one day set him off into greatness, being the first president of the United States on the $1 bill and just the most famous guy with wooden teeth. So initially, France is really winning the war, okay? But then Great Britain borrowed money from British bankers and freaky-deaky Dutch bankers to buy more arms, to send more men. And then next thing you know, in 1763, the British win the Battle of Quebec, and the Treaty of Paris is signed, which ultimately gives Britain a lot more land. But what happens? More land equals more money equals more problems. So they got a lot of land, but guess what they also got a lot of? A little bit of debt. And guess who's going to help make up for that debt? The Americans. Well, would you look at that? So basically, Britain was broke from the war, okay? They had went into major debt, and what happens when an empire goes broke? They tax their own people. In this case, Britain taxed us, the 13 colonies. Thanks, dick. So what happens? We get taxed. 1764, we get the Sugar Act, which they started taxing us on sugar and molasses, which if I was living in that time, I would be furious because I love sugar. I'm Christy Sweets, but at least it would save my feet temporarily because I definitely would have gotten gangrene because I bite my toenails. 1765, the Stamp Act. Now they're taxing stamps. Now it's like I can't even send a letter to my mother without it getting taxed. Oh, I'm so mad at you, King George III, because you're not letting me talk to my mother. 1767, the Townsend Acts, which is a tax on lead, glass, tea, and paint. I'm like, I didn't even know they had glass in 1767. I mean, what the hell's going on? And then in 1773, the Tea Act, which was a big one that really upset the American people because in the 1770s, tea is like this new exotic thing from China. Guess who made the deal? Hunter Biden. So in 1765, right after the Stamp Act, a big monumental thing in American history happens. The Sons of Liberty are formed in retaliation to this Stamp Act. You've heard the famous phrase, no taxation without representation. That's the Sons of Liberty. With, I mean, all our heroes are in the Sons of Liberty. Benjamin Franklin and Thomas Jefferson and every, Paul Revere. Everybody's a son of liberty or a daughter of liberty. And today, today that group is still around, but they're called the Babies of Liberty. 
But this was huge. So because of this, because of the Sons of Liberty starting to galvanize the people, meeting in secret, all these kind of things that are beginning to happen, the actual people of the 13 colonies start to get a little mad at Britain. For the first time, they're like, yo, stop taxing us, Holmes. We fought and died for you in the French and Native American War. You know, we, we build all your goods. We're like very sought after empire. We're very sought after colonies. Because here's the thing with the 13 colonies. I don't think people understand the 13 colonies were like the best colonies in the world. The reason why the USA is as big and powerful as it is today is because the 13 colonies sit on land that is some of the most valuable land in the world. It gets all four seasons, you know, sugar, cotton, all those things that were big in the old world, aka the new world, that they made so much money. Britain made more money from the 13 colonies than almost any other empire made from their own colonies. We were the best. So nobody wanted to really piss us off, but they had to tax us to pay back the freaky deaky Dutch bankers. So tensions are high in the 1770s, okay? We have March 5th, 1770, the Boston Massacre, where soldiers, British soldiers got nervous and killed uh, in innocent, innocent protesters. Sound familiar? That happened in 1770. And guess who represented the British soldiers? I don't know if a lot of people know. Guess what famous historical figure actually represented the British soldiers in the Boston Massacre, which he was getting hated for this, but he'd go on to become an American folk hero. Do you know? John Adams. John Adams represented the British soldiers, a.k.a. Paul Giamatti from the Verizon commercials, represented the British soldiers in the Boston Massacre because he just believed that everybody has a right to a fair and equal trial, jury by their peers. So shout out John Adams, but also like, fuck you. That literally, John Adams representing the British soldiers during the Boston Massacre would be akin to Elon Musk representing Osama bin Laden today. Both great people that Americans love that will one day go on to become president. I know, and by the way, I know people are yelling at the TV, uh, are yelling at their computer, oh, Elon Musk can't become president because he wasn't born in America. Well, neither was Obama. <laughs> I'm just kidding. December 16th, 1773, we have the famous Boston Tea Party, which the political party, the Tea Party, is named after, which I'm a proud member of. The Boston Tea Party is a big historical significant event in the US because it's the first time that colonists actually showed defiance to British rule. They dumped what is close to $1.7 million worth of tea into the Boston Harbor. That's a lot of tea. And they did it. They boarded the, the, the basically the Sons of Liberty, dressed like Mohawk Native Americans, and boarded three East India trading ships that had all the tea, and they dumped it. You could still go. To this day, you can go to the original site and go on a replica of the boat and dump tea overboard into the water. And it's pretty fun. Just go throw it over. I went dressed as a Mohawk and they were upset by that. But I was like, I'm just being, I'm just trying to, you know, be factual. They're like, you didn't have to put yourself in brown face. I was like, but I did. So this was celebrated throughout the 13 colonies. This was a big, big deal in the 13 colonies. It was the defying British rule. You know, you had two groups of colonists you know, going on right now. You had the colonists who supported this, who loved the fact that we were defying British rule, but then you had the loyalists who were gonna stay loyal to the British throughout this whole war because it's very difficult for me. I know if I was alive at that time, I would definitely be a freedom fighter in the Sons of Liberty, but it is very hard to say no to a man in a red coat. 
The 13 colonies formed their own little mini government, okay? Basically, they formed a government, even though they were ruled by someone else, they formed a little government inside a government, kind of like the Chop Zone did in Seattle. They came together in Philadelphia in the first Continental Congress. Georgia wasn't represented. I don't know where the hell you guys were, but you weren't represented. It included some of the finest leaders in the land, people who go on to be folk heroes, George Washington, Patrick Henry, John Adams, Samuel Adams, John Jay. How funny is this? They had men who would go on to be like on our money, George Washington, Sam Adams, John Adams, Patrick Henry, and they elected some guy named Peyton Randolph of Virginia to be its president. What? Who's that? Who's Peyton Manning Randolph? In reaction to the intolerable acts, all those ones that I mentioned, you had the big leaders, George Washington, John Adams, Patrick Henry, John Jay, all in Philadelphia to discuss the opposition of British rule. Now, this is huge because you got to understand, we're not, it's not like today where you can, you know, Texas will be like, I want to secede. And we're like, just shut up, Texas. You're not seceding. We need you guys. You guys have the best tacos in the U.S., so we need you. If you seceded from Britain or you even attempt to do this, they would hang you that you would get hung, you were going to die. Here's the consequences of even somebody like a George Washington deciding to go to war with Britain. If you lose, you die, okay? It's not like they just forgive and forget. You will be hung and probably have your organs ripped out and tarred and feathered in a public square. So this took balls, okay? So the first Continental Congress meets in September of 1774, and they're all representing their respective colonies to talk about the defiance of British rule and the opposition of British rule but they're not talking about independence. Really all they want is to be represented in British Parliament because they're getting taxed and they don't even have representatives in London to fight for them. So that's really genuinely all it starts out as is all we want to do is be heard. We just want you to listen to us. And if you're going to take our money, then we need to be there to have something to say about it. You can't just take our money and we don't have any say. We want to speak up. Time's up. So on April 18, 1775, British troops march out of Boston on a mission to confiscate the American arsenal in Concord, Concord, Massachusetts. So what happens is the British say, that's it, we're sending troops, and this is April 18, 1775. Now, the next day, April 19, 1775, the war is going to begin, but the night before, you've heard this many, many times, the British are coming, one if by land, two if by sea, who is that? Paul Revere. We've all heard the stories growing up. We've all, you know, watched the movies. Paul Revere, you've seen the picture of him. He looks like everyone's grandmother. Here's what you might not know about Paul Revere. Paul Revere was one of three men and one woman who actually went out and rode that night to warn the colonists that the British were coming. And here's another little fun fact. Paul Revere actually got captured by British soldiers on his way back from warning certain colonists. And then somehow miraculously, four hours later, gets out of British custody and continues to warn. And a lot of people are like, how did he get out of trouble with these British soldiers? I'm like, how do you think he got out of trouble? It's the same way I used to get out of trouble. Get on my knees and start sucking. So don't feel too bad, Monica Lewinsky.
So April 19, 1775, as I mentioned, the Revolutionary War begins when the British confronted colonial rebels, which resulted in the Battles of Lexington and the Battles of Concord. You've heard this phrase before. The first shot was the shot heard round the world. 1776, which everybody knows as the year of our independence, the year of the Declaration of Independence, you have to put yourself in the shoes of the people living during that time. They were divided. I told you the war started in April of 1775. So now we already have months, almost a year of war. What's happening? The American colonists are outnumbered. We're losing. They're starting to desert. The American colonists are starting to desert the war effort because why? You're away from your family. You're away from your farm. You don't know if your wife and kids are alive or dead. You might be saying, why am I fighting this? Why the British have done nothing but give me what I've wanted. Yeah, I got to pay a tax on stamps, but who cares? I'm fighting and dying. I have to get back to my house before winter so I can tend to my farm so my family can eat and I can have money. So it was very, very, very divided group of colonists on some wanted to stay in the revolution and fight for this taxation without representation motto, and some wanted to go back to their farms and just say, we'll deal with the British. And then what happens is this idea of this Declaration of Independence is actually concocted by Jefferson, Washington, and the likes of those founding fathers, and they task this man, Thomas Paine, with a pamphlet called Common Sense, that basically, it's the first, it's the first thing that went viral in the colonies, and it starts to put the idea in the head of, hey, how about instead of fighting for a taxation without representation, we're fighting for freedom from the tyrannical empire, we're fighting for independence, we're fighting for our lives here. And this whole thing changes, this whole war cry changes really in an effort, kind of fake news, to get the men who were deserting to come back because now you have a new cause and a new fight. But some would say it's a little bit of bullshit. So our founding fathers, who are they? George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, Benjamin Franklin, and Alexander Hamilton, a.k.a. Lin-Manuel Miranda. So all these guys are, they have fan, people love them, people hate them all over. It really depended because, you know, as we'll go on in 100 years after 1776, it was already kind of happening now. The northern colonies and the southern colonies did not see eye to eye. Definitely issues of slavery, definitely issues of politics, um, you know, who's a federalist, you know, who wants, who wants the bank to be, you know, run by the states, who wants the bank to be run by the government. There's a whole, there's already these issues, but they're trying to work together. The founding fathers, a lot of people think of them as BFFs. They really weren't. They were adversaries, kind of like how Stalin... FDR and Winston Churchill were in World War II, like, yes, they're fighting for the greater good and trying to, you know, like, you know, get rid of, you know, British Nazi evil. Shout out uh, the new episode of uh, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, saw that you are the Nazi unis. They really just, you know, they're really not that much of friends and they have different political ideas. Smart people, when you get smart people in a room, they almost never agree. Almost absolutely never agree with anything. And that was the case here. Our founding fathers, our starting five, our all-stars, our five white men, yikes. George Washington, John Adams, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, and Alexander Hamilton. They are the rock stars of the generation. All different ages, all different political affiliations, all different, all represented by different colonies. You are George Washington, who was the hero from the French and Indian War. He did win the war to become the first sitting president, U.S. president. Presidents are only allowed to serve two terms. That's because of George Washington. Thomas Jefferson, skilled lawyer, musician, architect, shout out Monticello, uh, you know, loved having sex with his slaves. And just an overall 
guy who I think was misunderstood. Some people loved him. Some people hate him. Some people said he was very racist. Some people said he wasn't. He wound up on the $2 bill, which is out of circulation now. So sorry. John Adams, aka Paul Giamatti, known his son was president. John Adams, father and son duo president. Love it. John Adams, the lawyer that represented the British soldiers in the Boston Massacre, so a lot of people didn't like him, but he was smart. He was Him and Thomas Jefferson had a feud that went on their whole life. They loved each other. They hated each other. They loved each other. They hated each other. They had radically different ideas, but it was one of those friendships in history that there's a lot of letters that they would correspond with back and forth to each other. Benjamin Franklin spent most of his time in France, TBH. The reason why France got involved in the American Revolutionary War was because Benjamin Franklin would go there to Paris every few months and try to talk the French into it. As a matter of fact, the Battle of Saratoga, which goes on to be the turning point of the American Revolutionary War, because that's when the French finally decide to join, is because Benjamin Franklin went to France and fudged the numbers a little bit. He said, we won by a little bit more than we actually did, and then the French joined in, and they said, we're going to win. Now we're going to win. We have the British on the ropes. That's all Benjamin Franklin. So thank you, Benjamin Franklin, for getting France involved in the war, giving us our independence, and having sex with my grandma. So then, of course, everybody knows the father of our American banking system, the first Treasury Secretary, one of George Washington's BFFs, best friends, Alexander Hamilton, also our only Dominican founding father. So on June 7, 1776, Richard Henry Lee of Virginia, no relation to Sarah Lee, is actually credited with being the first person to kind of bring up this idea of being independent. He's the first one that says in the Second Continental Congress, let's be independent, yo. Okay, so the Continental Congress decides we got to write a Declaration of Independence. We're going to hire a guy to write it. Who's our best writer? Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson wrote the Declaration of Independence in two days, dude. Two days. And the committee had about one-fourth of it taken out because Thomas Jefferson came a bit out his pocket and basically said that King George III, the King of England, was responsible for the slave trade. Whoops. And that he's the one who prevented America from ending slavery, not the people in the South. Uh-oh. So you can't say that, even though it's probably kind of true. Thomas Jefferson, I kind of like you, dude, because you, like, you were like, hey, it's your fault that we don't have slaves, not mine. Now get over here and suck my cock. So the Declaration of Independence was actually the first formal statement by a nation's people asserting their right to choose their own government in the world. Go us, even though my family's from Germany. So basically the Declaration of Independence was organized into four parts. We had the preamble, which basically says, hey, King George III, sorry, not sorry. Uh, it's not us, it's actually you. We're done here. We're cheating on you with France. You have the Declaration of Natural Rights, famous line, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, blah, 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 blah. But of course we know that when they were talking about all men, they were talking about white men, aka white landowners, not any other racial group. So of course that's effed up and we still debate that today. That's what it said back then. List of grievances. Tommy J really pulls up all the receipts on this on King George III. He just started listing old shit. I didn't know that Thomas Jefferson was also a Puerto Rican baby mama. And the fourth one, the Resolution of Independence, which said we ain't colonies no more. Now we're the United States. So the formal United States that we know of today, Resolution of Independence, we said stamp it, bitch, and don't even bother taxing me because I ain't paying. 
The Declaration of Independence, a lot of people think was approved on July 4th, 1776, but it was actually approved on July 2nd, 1776. John Adams wrote to his lovely wife, Abigail, how happy he was. He said the second day of July of 1776 is going to be the most memorable ever in the history of America, but he was wrong. Of course, it would be July 4th would be the day that we eat hot dogs and blow our hands off with fireworks. July 4th, 1776, the Continental Congress officially adopts the Declaration of Independence. Happy birthday, America. Have the party in my pool. Now, the fancy parchment version that Nicolas Cage tries to steal in National Treasure and that's in museums, that actually came on July 19th, 1776. And then finally, all the people signed it August 2nd, 1776, with the biggest signature being John Hancock. He just signed it big because he probably had an ego issue and a little Hancock. Okay, so really, you know, we think we have the real Declaration of Independence because on the back of what we think is the real one written upside down, it says original Declaration of Independence, July 4th, 1776, or 4th of July, 1776. But I don't know, there's a lot of conspiracies, Christy conspiracies out there that we don't have the original Declaration of Independence and maybe we never will. If we do have it, I believe Nicolas Cage has it and will keep it safe from harm, as he always does. I love Con Air too. So it is actually believed that the text was added as a label as parchment was often rolled up during the times of Revolutionary War. I mean, thank God we don't do that with documents today because, I mean, Pimp and Benetia would have smoked the Declaration of Independence. So here's an interesting thing. There were 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence. All of them were technically immigrants. They were all British citizens, all of them. So it's one of those things that we still have this immigration fight today. It's like, just let the Mexicans in. So all men are created equal. Well, women couldn't vote. 30% of the population was enslaved African-Americans. White men who didn't own enough property didn't vote. So really the Declaration of Independence was for about 10 to 15% of the people. And it's nice to be in that 10 to 15%. So what are the wins from the Declaration of Independence? Well, no more formal nobility, bitch. Bye, kings and queens. Bye, kings and queens. I don't know why Britain still to this day has kings and queens. Give it up. Look at how good America's doing without kings and queens. So the biggest thing was Americans began to kind of start that idea of viewing everybody as equal, viewing each other as equal. They recognized equal rights of daughters and widows when it came to inheriting property. Um, They tried to believe this idea of equality and prosperity, um, which I think now, present day, we're there. I think we're there, baby. I think we all recognize each other as equal. Uh, We're all prosperous. We all get along. And I don't think that there's that many issues. So A lot of people think that the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution are the same thing, but they're not. The fundamental difference, Declaration of Independence was designed for us to break away from our government. Constitution, a.k.a. the Bill of Rights, designed to establish our government, okay? So that's the big difference. Nobody was storming the Capitol getting mad at the Declaration of Independence. Well, I mean, there might have been a few people uh, who would have back then, but, you know, they would have got stamped with bayonets and shot with little musket bullets. And Paul Revere would have stopped you by sucking your cock. All right, so there you have it. That's how we went from puritanical, England-loving crumpet eaters to being rebels, getting our nation, and having McDonald's everywhere you look is fighting for what we think is right. Freedom fighters, love it. What do you think of the Declaration of Independence? Do you think I did a good job? What history topics do you want me to talk about? The one that gets commented on the most, that's the one I'll do next or the one after that. It depends on Venetia's schedule.
U.S.A. U.S.A. U.S.A.